You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of gathering with your people in your place. And um, thank you, Father, for um, every single parent that's gathered here today. God, I thank you for their faithfulness to you. I thank you for their children and their desire to see them grow in Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would bless this time. I pray that um, you would speak to us and that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Um, Father, may your Holy Spirit guide us and teach us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, welcome to Faith and Family. Um, And let's begin with the caveat of thank you all for coming to a class on parenting taught by someone that's not a parent. Um, That irony is not lost on me. So my hope is that is that we don't hear from me today, but from God's word and from a little bit of research. Um, so just know that I always feel a little weird telling parents how to do their job, um, given that I have no idea how, how to do your job. Um, kudos to y'all. But I really am grateful that y'all are here. This is a, I believe, four-week series that we're doing in Faith and Family on the power of parents. Something we talk about a lot in the Faith and Family class is that parents are the number one spiritual influence in a child's life. This is probably something you've heard before and you will hear again because we find it to be actually really encouraging news. Let me read you this quote from religion um, sociologist Christian Smith. We talk about him a lot too. This is what he says. He says, most teenagers and their parents may not realize it, But a lot of research in the sociology of religion suggests that the most important influence in shaping young people's religious lives is the religious life modeled and taught to them by their parents. So you might hear that and your stomach might drop a little bit. But really, we want this to be encouraging news, not burdensome news. Um, We find it really exciting that we can come alongside parents and help you all in any way possible. disciple your children to lifelong faith in Christ. So again, grateful that y'all are here, grateful that you want to know more about how to do that. And before we get into really the nuts and bolts of this lesson, um, another caveat to keep in mind, or just some more caveats. This is stuff y'all know, but I want to remind you before we talk about anything related to parenting. Number one, God's grace is infinitely bigger than any parenting mistake you you could ever make. That's really good news. He's got your child. He's got y'all. You have the Holy Spirit guiding you. And there's just really no formula. You know, you can come to as many faith and family classes as you want. And it's still up to the Holy Spirit how your child develops spiritually. So that I hope that's a freeing word, a comforting word. May you all be bathed in the good news of God's grace as you parent your children. Okay, so last week, Cameron uh, taught on some new research that's coming out about... <laughs> the power of parents as it relates to discipling your children. And he mentioned four factors that are influential um, as you disciple your children. So that is number one, Christian practice in the home. That's what Tara will teach on next week. Number two, parenting style. Number three, church attendance. And number four, organic conversations about faith. So We are going to talk about number three today, church attendance, and the importance of attending worship weekly as a family. And I hope what we see is that attending church weekly with your family is one of the best, easiest ways that you can encourage your child's spiritual and emotional well-being. 
we're going to look at scripture and we're going to look at research. We'll first research, then scripture. Um, and the encouraging thing is that I hope we see is that the stuff that they've been finding in research is what scripture tells us. Um, that's always, you know, a, a plus one for the Bible when scientific research um, mirrors what scripture says. I'm going to also move this to make sure y'all can see just a little bit better. No, I'm not. Um, you all can read. Okay, so, and again, you, you know this, but we want scripture to be our, our number one driving foundation. Research is just an added bonus on top of that. But we are going to look at some research first because I think it's interesting. And I hope y'all do too. All right, so let's look at um, study number one. This is done by the Pew Research Center. This is what they say. People who are active in religious congregations tend to be happier and more civically engaged than either religiously unaffiliated adults or inactive members of religious groups. Whatever the explanation may be, more than one-third of actively religious US, U.S. adults describe themselves as very happy compared with just a quarter of both inactive and unaffiliated Americans. The findings in this report suggest that regular religious participation is tied to individual and societal well-being. That is, people who have a religious affiliation and attend worship services at least once a month tend to fare better on some, but not all, measures of happiness, health, and civic participation. So particularly with this last bullet here, note that it's one thing to have a religious affiliation. It's a whole nother thing to be active and have a religious participation, um, AKA attending worship. All right, next one. This is from the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Um, children who attended mass or worship weekly or had an active prayer life were more positive and had greater life satisfaction once they reached their 20s. These, these young adults had a tendency to choose a healthier lifestyle, avoiding drinking, smoking, drug use, and sexual promiscuity. Um, we'll talk about this later, but obviously this is not saying that if you bring your child to church every week, they will never drink, smoke, use drugs, or be sexually promiscuous. Um, it, there's just a correlation, though, that's worth paying attention to. But I don't want you to think that these are hard and fast rules because, obviously, we're dealing with humans here. All right, and last one. This is from Barna Research Group. Here's what they say. Adults who regularly attended church as children are much more likely than their unchurched peers to be involved in church-based and personal spiritual activities. Seven out of 10 American adults had a period of time during their childhood when they regularly attended a Christian church. Apparently, old habits die hard. Majority of those who attended church as a youngster, that's kind of funny to be in a scientific report, still attended regularly today, while a large majority of those who were not churchgoers as children are still absent from churches today. Keep this idea of habits in mind. We're gonna come back to that when we look at scripture. Also, the survey discovered that adults who attended church as children were twice as likely to read the Bible during a typical week as those who avoided churches when young, twice as likely to attend a church worship service in a typical week, and nearly 50% more likely to pray to God during a typical week. While churched as children individuals were twice as likely, the unchurched as children niche to be born-again Christians and significantly more likely to hold an orthodox view of God's nature. A minority of both groups believe in the existence of the Holy Spirit and of Satan, and a majority believe that eternal salvation can be achieved by doing enough good deeds. Also, only a minority of both camps strongly believed that the Bible is totally accurate in all that it teaches. 
So obviously this last bullet is a little bit um, discouraging, right? Because we see that even church says children individuals don't have super orthodox views. Um, it's definitely important that we affirm the belief of the Holy Spirit and of Satan. And it's definitely important that we believe that salvation is through grace, not good deeds. And we do want to believe that the Bible is totally accurate. All that to say, I included this bit of research because I think this speaks to the importance of going to a Bible-preaching, gospel-centered church, such as the Advent. Um, and it's, again, a reminder that, you know, going to church, um, while indeed important, it's also really important that the Bible is front and center and that that is the, the focal point of your home and making sure that that's driving everything that we do. All right, that's all the research we're going to look at. So hopefully the, all, the, all the boring part is over. Um, but research is pretty clear, right, that attending church, both as an adult and as a child, leads to more spiritual and emotional um, well-being, both in adults and in children. All right, now let's look at some scripture. And as we do that, we're going to cover kind of three things we see in scripture. Number one, your children need the church. Number two, the church needs your children. And number three, um, what is number three? Habits form the family. All right, so number one, your children need the church. Now to begin to think about this, this is really just as simple as remembering that God designed the church as a what? What's the metaphor that we see in, in the Bible? So uh, that, that didn't phrase that question quite right. What, what's a predominant metaphor we see, particularly in the New Testament, for how God designed the church? One something with many members. One body, yes. Family, family is also right. One body with many members. We see this in 1 Corinthians 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body says, Both children and adults learn best about God's love by being loved by God's people, about being a child of God by belonging in a faith family, about worship by worshiping with all of God's people, about ministry by serving and partnership with others. All right, so this is just a quote that kind of reminds us that your children need the gospel spoken to them through many areas. They need to learn about God's love by loving others, being a child of God by belonging in a faith family, about worship by worshiping with God's people, and about ministry by serving in partnership with others. All right, so that's point number two. Point number three is habits form the family. Habits form anyone, really, is another way of saying this. So we're going to look at Proverbs 22.6. You all probably have heard this one before. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, this is one of those Bible verses that has great potential to be abused and misused because we all know that this is not a guarantee. Remember, Proverbs are part of the wisdom literature, so they're more guidelines rather than guarantees because we all know several instances where parents have been incredibly faithful, they have trained up their children in the way that he should go, and the child is not stuck with the faith. We also know miraculous stories of a child being raised in a non-Christian household, and they get converted in college or through, through a friend. So guideline, not a guarantee. I don't want anyone to ever hold this over your head as, if you do this, 
if you do X, Y will happen. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. Um, but here's what's interesting about this passage. So this word train up is actually the word dedicate. And this word comes from an Arabic word that refers to a practice that um, they would do in the ancient world of spreading a sweet paste of dates on a child's palate to try and teach the child to suck. Kind of weird, right? But that's what that word means. The idea is that you accustom the child to a taste and try and get them to take it in. You expose them to the sweetness of the paste in hopes that exposing them to that sweetness will um, stimulate their sucking reflex. So thinking about this as, as a habit, that's really your role as a parent. You can accustom them to the taste of weekly worship. Whether that child will suck, so to speak, um, is up to the Holy Spirit. But I think that's a beautiful picture, and it's a reminder that, again, the Holy Spirit is really the one leading and guiding this process, but that your role is to expose the child to the sweetness of worshiping God, to the sweetness of following Jesus, and hoping that that taste acclimates, that they acclimate to that taste. I, I think that's a really beautiful picture, and I think that gives this verse so much richness um, so that hopefully we don't read it in a way of, of guilt or fear. Um, and back to this idea of habits, remember that, that um, research we looked at that talked about old habits die hard? I mean, by now we've all lived enough life to know that what we do shapes us. So the mornings that I wake up and I check my email rather than open my Bible or pray, that's a habit that You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.